0: As a science communicator, I'm always on the lookout for people with innovative, creative and accessible ideas who say no to the classic dry and mundane or overwhelming and intense communications methods that we scientists can be guilty of. Social media is a frequent outlet of the videos, graphics and written pieces that I create, and I follow many other activists and creative conservationists who fill me with inspiration which I very much appreciate in a world where doom and gloom often dominates. Enter Hilla the Earth, an eco rapper, with whom my first encounter was watching one of her amazing videos in which she's twerking next to a giant glowing mushroom dressed as an Earth cheerleader rapping about mycelium. I went back through her archives and found raps about soil, recycling, composting and even an eco-friendly remix of Cardi B's WAP. Suffice to say it, I was instantly hooked. I wanted to get Hilla the Earth on the podcast to learn more about the person inside the giant earth costume, what motivates her, and with a whole world of inspiration to rap about how she decides on her next topic.
1: It's your Earth Day. We're gonna compost like it's your Earth Day. We're gonna forage mushrooms like it's your Earth Day. Build a forest, clean the river every Earth Day. Find me on the land, harvesting my plants with mommy. I got a plan. If you want to dirty hands, I'm into climbing trees. I ain't into making bands. So plant another seed if you want to live and dance. find me on the land, harvesting my plants with mommy. I got a plan. If you want to dirty hands, I'm into climbing trees. I ain't into making bands. So
2: <laughs> I we're we're gonna be not nearly as good at this because Serena's not with us this week. Um, but I'm Matt podolsky uh, one of the producers of the Earth to Humans podcast here with Hannah Mulvaney. Um and Hannah, this is uh you're producing the episode that we're gonna hear on the show this week, this coming Wednesday, right? Um, so yeah, I mean let's let's jump in and start with that, right? Uh Tell us about this episode.
0: This week's episode, I am really, really, really excited for. So um, it features an eco-rapper called Hilla. She was called Hilla the Killer when I interviewed her, but she's recently done a name change. She's now Hilla the Earth. Um, And I came across her whilst I'm always on the lookout for environmental communicators who are being really creative and doing really fun things and especially in areas that I am really interested in so music is a really big passion of mine um, and Hilla creates music that is about um, environmental crises but then also about how beautiful the earth is and how um, we should respect it and she also um, another thing that I really love is costume and dressing up <laughs> um, and Hilla just has this incredible array of earth outfits so like earth cheerleader outfits and um, a giant earth like round sphere that she goes around and she goes and she wraps and uh, she runs she does she goes on, on runs and wears like cycling shorts that have kind of continents on them and also say so when I saw her I was like, I actually just need to I need to look at this feed and I was just basically in this scrolling through all of her music videos um kind of um, pattern for about an hour and then i just knew that i had to interview her for the podcast um and yeah as i mentioned on last week's um end time we chatted like one of the first things i saw was her dressed as a, an earth cheerleader twerking against a giant fun- uh, like um lit up fungus um rapping about mycelium um and she just seemed like my kind of person <laughs> <laughs>
2: Awesome, awesome. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to um, remember the the order of events that like we normally do when we do these calls. Like Hannah, I know that you have an an interesting update to share, and I'm very anxious because you wouldn't tell me before we got on the Instagram live call um, what this update was. So I'm I'm very anxious to hear that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yeah so basically I have been on annual leave for the past couple of weeks but anybody who is an environmentalist of any description will know that annual leave um doesn't mean that your brain takes a takes a holiday (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) um which is kind of what I needed but um yeah there you go um so I I basically just kind of wanted to share a reflection on on the the second week of my annual leave with our viewers um, and with Matt and Serena as well, because um, it was pretty confronting, actually, what happened. So I've always wanted to go and see Komodo dragons in the wild. um, And so they live off of um, an island in Indonesia called Flores, um, and then there's Komodo National Park. Um, and I kind of booked what I thought was going to be a really off the beaten track adventure. Um, and what it became was actually just like a part of this participation in something that I would call like extreme over tourism. Um, and I thought that as a committee of dragons are a lizard, basically, they're a reptile, they're not going to be that popular, it's not going to be like. Going to see like orangutans or something like that. That that it's just like loads and loads and loads of people. Right. It just was. Like, the landscape's incredible. Um, People obviously take photos, are trying to take photos where there aren't other people in the shot. Right. Um, But, say, for example, the first day we went on a sunrise hike and the guy was like, you've got to wake up at 4am so that you can beat the crowds. And we were like, okay. And we walked all the way up to the top of this island and there must have been at least a 1,000 people on this tiny (laughs) track. Trying to get up to the top, and it was so firstly dangerous because right. everyone's really sleepy and it's dark, and but secondly, just the track people were going off the track. It was getting trampled. Like all people were just like clinging onto trees and pulling themselves up and ripping them out. And I was just sat there, lo- like watching everybody, feeling like I was actually going to cry. Like it was so confronting, like such an earth to humans moment um, in that. <laughs> um, I was just sat there thinking, how, how was this allowed? There were rangers there. One ranger who did try and do something. People basically were just so entitled that they were laughing at them and being really right. rude and not listening to them. I'd never try and engage in that kind of tourism. Um, and I've just kind of come away from it feeling really angry um and sad, um. So mm, it, yeah. it was, wasn't a good
2: experience. And totally. I mean, we we spend mm. so much time talking about that that intersection, right, between like access and like overuse, you know. And it's yeah, it's I, I mean, like I I always find myself advocating for greater access. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, a situation like that where it's so egregious and it's like so many people want to be in there. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like what, you know, but, but like the solution obviously isn't to like restrict it by like increasing the cost of access, you know? um, Like it's, I, I don't know. It, it's like, what do you do in, in a situation like that? Right. It's like, it, I, I, you gotta like, you gotta find a way to restrict it, and I don't know. You know, it's like you you have to find a way to like a lottery system, or you know, you, or like give priority to local people. Um, gosh, that's super sad. It, uh,
0: yeah, it's it's really sad, and I don't know how. I, it's it's the thing is where there's profit to be made there is this issue um mm-hmm. around nature access because i think um where like for me i would i would hope that access to nature could be free for everybody but i understand why in these places you need to put some kind of barrier and obviously it also helps with um conserving like making tracks and all of this kind of stuff um but then you've got the government on one side making um taking the money and doing those things. But then you've also got these profit making boats um, who just want to get as many people through as they can so that they can make as much money as possible. So mm-hmm. I think between those two, there has to be a happy medium between those two. And, it, and a lot of it comes from the profit making um, organisation being conscientious about um, sustaining Their business in the long term if their business is to be nature
2: right yeah there's i mean and i i mean Mm. i don't know this the example i'm about to give like is Mm. problematic in some ways but like i think there are a lot of lessons conservation lessons to be learned from um the way that hunting is managed in the united states and it's all about lotteries right it's like you know it, that these systems are set up so that like the the um, the fees are fed back into conservation. So like the fees that you're paying, you know, fund the research to understand the population sizes, so that you know how many animals you can take. It's all about lottery systems, right? Um, but the other interesting piece that I think is relevant to this conversation is that not only are there lotteries, but there's different lotteries for in-state versus out-of-state. So if you're local, like if I want to hunt here in Idaho, you know, it's it costs very, very little, right? It is very accessible cost-wise. But if you want to hunt in Idaho from out-of-state, I'm talking like it's it's 10 times as much money, right? And in a situation like this, right, like if you're a local That should be accessible, but I think it makes sense to, you know, uh, for folks that are traveling to that area, coming from far away or out of country to charge them like not just a little bit more money, but like orders of magnitude more money. But anyways, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, thanks for sharing that, Hannah. That's, uh, I mean, it's fascinating and yeah, deeply sad for sure. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that experience. It's it's uh, like what a bummer to like have something that's like a bucket list item and it to find out that it's just nothing like what you thought it was. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, at least that's the thing. I feel like once you find out about this thing, you can then um, share your experience.
2: Totally. Totally. Yeah and and i yeah it's like in a situation like that i think it is important where <laughs> the the representation of it on social media is so drastically different yeah i think it is important for people to know that so that you know people don't have that same experience and you know just the information it's by it you know by itself maybe if you know, it, it was more out there or if people started taking pictures and framing them with all the hordes of people in them, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, like maybe I'm sure you probably took some pictures like that, Hannah, that like, uh, you should share, um, attached to, to this episode. Cause that would be interesting. Um, I'd be interested to, to see that for sure. <laughs>
0: environmental communicator. I'm always on the lookout for unique and bold ways that others are voicing their environmental concerns. And on this quest, I found today's guest, who I am really excited to talk to about her amazing way that she discusses the planet and all of the issues that it has in her own wonderful way. So would you like
3: to introduce yourself? (laughs) Um, yeah, hi everybody. My name is Hilla the Killer. I'm from New York City and I'm an eco-rapper and an environmental edutainer. It's an educator and entertainer and also like a climate clown. And yeah, I make content and do performances around earth science education and environmental activism and earth justice.
0: So before we delve into all those wonderful things that you do. I just wanted to kind of hear a bit about who the hiller is behind the killer and how you (laughs) came into doing this and what your journey was to become this climate clown and activist and and all of the other fantastic things.
3: Yeah, so like I said, I grew up in New York City. I grew up in an area that was very industrialized um, in the 1800s, Um, not a lot of trees, It was actually like set to be demolished, you know, in the 80s, in the 60s or 70s. And it was, uh, it's Soho, it's a neighborhood Soho. And so when I grew up, like there was no trees, really, like some, some places in the city actually have a lot of trees and green spaces. But where I grew up, there was like no trees, no green spaces, not for a couple miles anyway. And so I didn't really have a lot of environmental awareness or any earth science education growing up Um, my parents didn't really like take me on you know camping adventures or anything like that so i came to like learning about the earth kind of late in life um or later in life you know so in adulthood when i started traveling more and experiencing more things i began to really connect with plants and Wanting to know where my food comes from, wanting to grow my own food, and learning about that, and then also, you know, feeling a sense of great responsibility for my life, and just wanting it to be the most um, impactful and positive thing that I can leave behind for future generations. So I really dove in. My my access point was waste, and so really thinking about waste and. The concept of waste, where it comes from, and why it exists at all, really helped me. I, I started to live a low waste, zero waste lifestyle, and that was kind of a full time job. I did that for like two years, and it, I learned a lot in that process about you know our society and how we are pretty much set up to to fail if we if we try to be low waste. Or, and so, yeah, my activism kind of began there and has expanded. And really, I found a voice in um, education. And as I learn about mushrooms and soil health and air quality and water purification and all sorts of all the things that make life life on earth, I just became so excited to share that information. And I do it in my way, which is through music and comedy.
0: There is a massive sense of humor thing behind the communications that you produce and it's designed to be funny but also really discuss some pretty heavy issues is that something that's really important to you
3: yeah you know I think it's absolutely absurd that we are on a planet in space circling a giant burning star I mean come on like earth Like, is it the best planet ever? I don't even know what other possible option we have. It's like, we're on a planet. It's the only planet that we know of that has water. It's the only planet that we know of that has life and humans on it. And we are absurd creatures. And we do stupid things. And we hurt each other. And, you know, life on Earth is really beautiful, but it's also really painful. And our consciousness is also very absurd. And so to me, humor, you know, helps deal with that absurdity. It makes it digestible and fun to learn. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, that's how I deal with difficult things. So I think that that's just my nature to make fun of things to uh, point out absurdities and to just like, get through life in a positive way, as positive as much as I can.
0: And when you talk about doing education, is this something that you do, you kind of target younger people or adults or
3: anyone who'll listen? Yeah, pretty much everyone. I wish I could educate. I wish I could speak to animals too, but you know, haven't learned the language yet. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, for, for really for everybody. I'm sure there's some things that could be geared to younger audiences, which I would, I would love to do as well. But I think probably most of my content would be better understood by like people who are probably from middle school and up and older. But yeah, I think a lot a lot of the times what I make, I make it for like my middle school self or my elementary school self, like my childhood self, you know, because I, I think to myself, like, what would, I, what would I have wanted to encounter in high school or in middle school that would have maybe helped me reach the point I where I am now a little earlier in my life to realize like how fun and cool it is to care about the environment and to live a life full of earthy adventures like gardening <laughs> 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 which is super which is super fun turns out
0: <laughs> oh could not agree more absolutely um... Social media creates as much horrendous stuff as it does a lot of positive output. So, obviously, that's a really important platform for you and for spreading your messages and getting your videos out and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Was that always, I'm going to start an, an Instagram and a TikTok and try and build it through
3: that? Like, has that been a, mm, a, a not really? To, like no. I- <laughs> No, like Hilla the Killa was like my personal Instagram and you know, Hilla the Killa is like a name that came to me in summer camp and it kind of became my rapper persona, which started out, um, you know, I used to rap about like body positivity and jokes. Like I had a lot of comedic songs about sex and body, body positivity, sex education. And I just, yeah, I didn't really know that it was going to turn into this like earth centered eco rap channel but i absolutely agree that social media is very important right now for what i do and for my output and um i'm really grateful that i have the community now that is supporting me and following me and sometimes i think about how like every day like you know sometimes i'm like oh i don't want to i can't post every day like it gets a little stressful but i do think that like if i'm not posting every day somebody else is and i do really pay a lot of care to keeping my content very positive and like something of value so yeah i just basically i try to tell myself like you know yeah maybe it's a lot and maybe it's really hard but at the end of the day every time i post something i'm adding value to the space that can otherwise be very overwhelmingly harsh and depressing so i try to just be a positive force there it's like all i can really do in that space but I um I came into you know my work uh, more as a live performer, and that's really where I enjoy I, I love I love I love making my videos and all that. But I really love performing live. That's like my favorite thing.
0: So where do you usually
3: perform when you are performing live? All over. Um, one of the best things about this niche that I've created for myself is that I get to perform at farms, and farmers markets, and compost sites and schools everywhere venues i perform a lot at i perform at like burlesque shows and i perform at just really anywhere what's really cool is that i can kind of fit in anywhere because it's it's very clowny and it's very like entertaining but it can be at the club it can be at the you know summer camp climbing trees or whatever so and I also really love to do street performances just like you know public uh live on on the street so I do a lot of that kind of stuff as well and um yeah my my, it's just it's really cool to be performing in environmental spaces because that's like it's just I fit in right there really well
0: you mentioned that you didn't really have a lot of a science education growing up but did you want to be a performer like was that something that was included in your in the making of you
3: Uh, yeah absolutely I've always been a performer I went to like acting school and since I was a little kid and I've always been performing and I've always been rapping so hip-hop and just like comedy and performance has always been a big part of my life
0: I think something that's really amazing and something that it will be really encouraging to anyone listening because I know that we do have quite a lot of people who listen who are early career environmental scientists or people that want to be environmental scientists in the future I think you really show and prove that no matter what your passion is or where your skills lay if you don't want to go and do an environmental science degree use what you have to create something really magical. And I really kind of love that you've done that and that you've used your passion to create this kind of activism space.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I tell people that like, if there's not a song about it, chances are I don't know anything about it yet. (laughs) Like I make songs like based on what I'm learning. So if I learn something really exciting, it's like, oh, I just learned this and now I'm going to share how I... This information within through a song or something so that's a really fun way for me to learn and process information for sure
0: that was actually one of my questions which is how you choose the next topic and whether it's kind of something that's big in the news (laughs) or if it's something that you just have a sudden interest in and decide that you want to learn more and so then you learn more and then you create a rap so what's your kind of writing
3: process Yes, I have a very long list, very long list of songs to write, but it's all about time. It's all about, you know, balancing. I'm very fortunate in the sense that I have been getting a lot of commissions. So a lot of people in environmental groups um, will reach out to me and want me to write a song about their thing. So whatever it is, you know. And if I'm aligned with that, I will research it and I will write a song. So a lot of those things end up taking like priority over other things that I might want to do. But I do try to find time to do whatever it is that I want to do in the moment, whatever I'm most inspired by. But it is a lot of the time due to circumstance of what I'm, what's happening in my life, and what kind of commissions I'm getting, um, where I'm making my money, where I'm able to like, you know, move around and do stuff like. For example, I'm performing at MycoFest this week on Friday, and MycoFest is a annual mushroom arts and music festival in Pennsylvania. And it's like their eighth year this year, and I'm one of the headliners. And so I really, really wanted to create a new mushroom song for the festival. Because I have my ABCs of mushrooms, but other than that, I don't have any other mushroom songs. And I was like, oh, like the mushroom song, the ABCs of the mushrooms are a little bit old now. They've been around for like almost a year, and so I really wanted to do something new and like get a big mushroom anthem. So that I wasn't like being paid to make that, but I, you know, am of course like hired to come do the festival, and so I was just like. I'm going to make this song. And I really put a lot of effort into that. And then, other than that, yeah, there's just a lot of, I've been really getting a lot of commissions. And so I've just been focusing on that. And that's been kind of directing the topics recently. But my list is very long, like very, very, very long. And people just always reach out to me and they're like, write a song about this, write a song about this. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Literally everything on earth I have to write a song about now.
0: think the um the description big mushroom anthem just sounds epic so i'm really excited oh, yeah. to see that pop up
3: <laughs> whenever it's it is extremely epic it's supposed to go live on friday august 5th we'll see i, I submitted it to um distribution yesterday so hopefully it'll go live by friday but if not it'll go live the next couple of days after that it's a really really it's a banger it's a hit <laughs> the mycelium the mycelium track of the year for sure
1: oh. <laughs> i'm really excited to hear that concrete jungle now mushroom for a fungi i need trees soil water and a dead guy organismic web watch my spores fly we're everywhere
0: You kind of mentioned that if you're aligned with something you would write a song about it but is there any and I'm not asking you to go into detail but if is there have you ever been approached by something that you don't align with because I know that as environmentalists and me as an environmental scientist I sometimes get approached by organizations that are kind of greenwashing and are trying to kind of get an environmental scientist on their team and I've assessed it and been like oh no 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 that's not not my vibe. But yeah, has that happened to you too?
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I was approached by a skincare brand and their packaging to me was just kind of like terrible and I just couldn't do it. I I actually, I was trying to work with them, you know, because I was like, let's make this, you know, let's try. And I asked them if they wanted to, I asked them if it would be okay if I could like just show for one moment in the video what it would look like if their products were in glass jars. And if they were available at the bulk store, what that would look like. And that's kind of where the conversation fell off. (laughs) So I was, you know, that was fine with me. I was like, all right, well, I guess this isn't really aligned and I don't really believe in like recyclable packaging. And so it, it wasn't really on brand for me, honestly. And now I'm inspired because I want to make a skincare song to educate people about what these creams are, because really, you know, they're just emulsified oils. And when we do skincare, it's like, we're trying to hydrate our skin a lot of the time. And so it would be a great way to educate people about products and what they really are. And then to also inform people that there is a future where you can have skincare without plastic packaging, which I think is a lot, you know, is a big, Part of the the plastic pollution it comes from skincare brands and you know hygiene and shampoos and things like that. So there's a space for a lot of uh, conversation and education around hygiene, self care, and care and beauty and like how we kind of move into a more sustainable practice when it comes to those things. But not with that brand, obviously. They'll <laughs> be sponsored by some other brand, yeah. <laughs>
0: interestingly mine was a cosmetics brand as well um that was yeah it was it initially seemed really great and then after doing a bit more research it was kind of a similar situation so yeah there's definitely a lot to be discussed in that industry um and how I don't know we can how they can do better so yeah that's quite interesting Have you ever kind of been, so when you've been given a commission for a song or you've reached an item on your, on your list, got writer's block? I,
3: yeah, you know, sometimes the writing process is seriously complex sometimes, like the inspiration, the, you know, procrastination, like I get, sometimes I get overwhelmed or nervous that I'm not going to be able to produce, and so that kind of holds me back, but Ultimately, if I just sit down and uh, write some things down, I like to read. Reading really helps stimulate, uh, you know, and I, I write down words that I really like or ideas. And then I just start thinking about, okay, well, well, what rhymes with that word, you know? And like, if it's like a really cool science word, then it's even funner, like a challenge. So, like, what rhymes with, you know, mycelium? What rhymes with phylum or whatever? You know, there's some mushroom, some mushroom words. But, um, especially like, yeah, like Trimedes Versicolor, like that's the Latin name for turkey tail. And, you know, trying to figure out what rhymes with that. That's exciting. So I, I kind of like, whenever I have to write something, I, what I do is I, I do a lot of research. I try to watch videos or listen to podcasts about people talking about these topics. And I pull out ideas, uh, phrases, words that intrigue me. And that's kind of how I get started. And it helps me with any kind of writer's block because I have these little things that I do to just get the process going and I also like to put on music and put a beat on and I often really I often like writing to a beat so I'll find a drum loop I'll play it and I'll start imagining what the song is going to be I think that's great
0: advice for any writers that are listening or people who want to be writers so thank
3: you for that yeah any future and... eco-rappers out here, <laughs> Maybe please for two take, take my methods, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so as well as writing the tracks, you produce the music as well, is that right?
3: It depends on the track, but for small commissions, for TikToks, for Instagram reels, for things like that, things that are under a minute usually I will create a very simple beat out of some like free loops that I find on the internet there's like a lot of people who who post and and share like loops and and things so it's it makes it it makes it possible for me to create beats but that's definitely not my like number one I'm not like really a music producer but I'm learning to do that more
0: so I wondered if you did work with someone else and if there's kind of like a Ghost producer or some someone else? Yeah. Well, uh, so, name I haven't
3: seen. <laughs> well, so the Wet Ass Planet track was produced by my friend danian and he has also produced the Mushroom, the New Mushroom song. So he's amazing, and we've been working together a lot. I've also used beats by lit kid Beats. So you know, these this is a producer who is who's in Germany, and I just I has a, he has a website, and I download his beats. So I do actually use a lot of pre-produced beats and I work with different producers as well but yeah only like the veggie wraps for example on my Spotify are, are things that I produced. but everything else um, Future of the Earth was produced by Lit Kid Beats Wet Ass Planet was you know of course is a remix so that is the you know is a remake of the beat the original Cardi B Megan The Stallion song um, but Danny like remixed that and he produced that And I'm trying to think of some other songs on my Spotify. But yeah, so there's, yeah, they're all kind of different producers sometimes. Yeah, but the Veggie Raps, I did think so. Simple yet effective. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's all about the lyrics for me, honestly. (laughs) All about the story, the story and the lyrics. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So
0: you started with Body Positivity and the, you have a song about becoming a woman and going from <laughs> my that first, to, my first My first period song. Yeah, 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 exactly. Going from that to environmentalism, they're two topics that can generate some certain feelings in certain people and create <laughs> kind of a bit of online hatred and, and that kind of thing. I know that other people that operate within that space... Who I know receive a lot of kickback. And I just wondered with you being so public and open, is that something that happens to
3: you? And how do you deal with that if so? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that even today, I posted a collab project with like an environmental group. They asked me to write a, to make a content piece about a petition. To have Target and Walmart stop all plastic bags in their checkout. So I made a little song about plastic bags, you know, like plastic bags are bad. Plastic bags pollute the earth. Like they don't enter back into the life cycle. They're pretty bad, right? It's cute. It's really informative and catchy. I pull out a huge plastic bag out of my mouth. It's really intense. But I'm really surprised it's only been online for like a couple hours and I have already like a lot of very hateful comments. And I think that the ratio between positive, supportive comments and comments about with people that really agree and that find uh, empowerment and inspiration from what I'm doing and the ones that are very negative or hateful or trolling, the ratio is very like you know, the, the the good ones really outweigh the bad ones. It's, they're very rare. So like, I don't pay much mind to them, to be honest. I think that, you know, hurt people, hurt people, and whatever is triggering these people to like comment these things, like they're processing. And I do my best to just ignore it. I don't really respond to these comments. I don't really have any sort of desire to get into arguments with people I don't know. and. I think that maybe like their reaction is just like a process of their growing, you know, and changing potentially. So I let the people fight in the comments for me. And I'm very grateful for everybody who sticks up for me (laughs) and all the, all the followers that like, you know, do the work, but I stay out of it. And I'm just, you know, the message is clear. Like I already said what I had to say. So you agree with it and or if you don't like that's okay you know we i'm not trying to force anything on anybody like it's really just about coming together and and understanding more and learning i just you know we're just learning how to how to live the life we want to live here on this planet so that's to me like what it is and yeah I, i actually really welcome you know debate and different opinions and I think that you know when I if that were something that I would really come across like someone would really want to discuss something with me on a philosophical level like I'm absolutely done like I love that so, but when it when I can sense that it's just like just something that people are saying that it makes no sense at all it's like I'm just like all right well, I'm not dealing with that <laughs> but yeah of course yeah the internet is is full of trolls <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely I am. Um... I just kind of noticed throughout speaking to you that you just seem to be this kind of fountain of positivity and it's wonderful. I understand why we're also recording a podcast, so you <laughs> don't want to be kind of like down in the drums, but obviously like you're on a journey of learning and you're learning about all of these things constantly and choosing to educate yourself. But do you ever feel bogged down about the things that you're learning and how do you conquer that?
3: Yeah. Oh, of course. I was just watching this documentary the story of plastic and i think it brought up a lot of things for me because when we talk about like different environmentalist like issues like plastic for example you think like oh no the earth is being polluted and the beautiful earth and the beautiful waters and the beautiful trees and and all the plants and it's so sad to see them covered in this toxic you know non-biodegradable substance that's just a mess but also, it really affects people in a very negative way too. And you see these communities that are suffering and you see these children and their parents and everybody who who is suffering because certain people are not compassionate and they don't have the compassion to care about what they're putting into the environment or how they are affecting these communities. You know, you think about Chevron and all these oil spills in Ecuador and you think about all the different ways in which certain people are you know, creating these environmental disasters in places where they don't live, where their children don't play. And it is, of course, extremely depressing because there's all these thoughts like, oh, humans are bad for the Earth. Humans are are a stain on the planet. But it's not humans. It's certain humans. It's certain people who can be named. Who run these companies, who make these decisions, who say, yes, let's drill here, let's create a fracked pipeline in Brooklyn. And, you know, all the protesters in the world will not stop this because it's the judges, it's the police, it's the construction workers, it's all of the politicians, it's everybody who approves these projects, who approves projects near water, who doesn't have the, you know, I, I keep saying compassion, but it's really like they don't they don't see what they're doing to themselves. It's like a disconnect from the planet, from their own bodies, from the people in their communities, from the people in their lives. I am always so baffled by how anybody could, you know, clear cut a forest in the Amazon, you know, knowing that the rainforest provides you know carbon sequestering powers and air quality for everybody it's not just like you know this doesn't just affect the people who live in the rainforest in the amazon this affects the grandchildren of the people who are doing the clear cutting but the disconnect is like so fascinating to me because i just don't i could never understand it like i grew up in a in a world where i did not have access to nature so maybe i wasn't desensitized to it from a young age you know it's such a wonderful thing to me so every plant every tree is like so magnificent and it would take a lot for me to destroy or to cut it down or whatever and i know that that's part of you know living on earth is to use the, the to work with nature and to be nature you know cutting down trees is not like you can't cut down any tree but don't cut down all the trees like clear cutting is a terrible idea for many reasons, right? But you can cut down one or two trees, right? For a house or for wood, or maybe you could just use trees that already fall in, you know, you can like, find a way to work with nature. But I think that, you know, to get back to the question of how I deal with the pain and the suffering that I'm learning about, which is so immense, because we've caused so much pollution already, there's so much degradation. I mean, you know, learning about waterways and how to clean up the water. And like, you know, I, I have a vision for people where we just are able to swim in every single waterway because it's always pristine and clean. We're able to eat fruit that grows on trees that is right outside our house because we have planted them to be that way. And we have a society that is not um, extractive and exploitative and that actually provides a path for people to do something that they're passionate about that gives back to their communities and like i think capitalism is a huge problem because it doesn't it puts money which is this fake made-up thing in front of people and life and actually like communities and growing together it's like you know what what is wealth when you know you there's no trees and there's no fresh food and there's no like it doesn't make any sense and we have people who live certain kinds of lifestyles and they just don't think about all the suffering that their lifestyles cause. And then I, and I just really, I just imagine a better world, you know? So to me, like, there's a lot of different ways to go about fixing some of these things, but I am very solution oriented. So that's how I get through it. I'm like, what's the solution? And then I work towards telling people what I think the solution is. I work towards connecting with people who are doing those solutions, who are making those things happen, when it comes down to it, like everybody should have housing, everybody should have access to nature, to fresh food, everybody should have great education and community and support. And I would love to see a world where those things are all incorporated into the health of our life cycle, which is the cycles of the earth and like making things thrive and making things live and grow. So I just focus on that. <laughs> and i breathe and i go outside i meditate i drink water i calm myself down in these very basic simple ways but of course i of course i feel a lot of you know sadness and pain about the state of things so yeah just just try to deal with it one one day at a time <laughs> There's obviously still so much to fight
0: for. So I think that's a fire in a lot of people's bellies. People who haven't seen you, which they might not have done because they're obviously listening to a podcast. But (laughs) something that really stood out to me as somebody who loves to dress up is your outfits, which are spectacular. Do you make those? And what's kind of obviously the earth is a big inspiration for those. But yeah, can you talk about your outfits a little bit more because I'm obsessed.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm on a mission to create a bunch of Earth-themed costumes and outfits. Of course, there's the major one, which is the big globe. You know, a lot of a lot of the costumes and a lot of things that I have that I've made that I wear are uh, collaborative efforts with some friends who make costumes, and they're really good at it. And some of the things I just make, like a lot of a lot of stuff right, right now is like I'll get something that's blue and I'll paint continents on it. And so I have all these different characters that I can create from that, like, you know, basically like any kind of archetype. If they have like a uniform, I try to find that in blue and then I make it the earth thing. So I can be like an earth doctor, an earth chef, an earth construction worker, you know? So it's like all these different kinds of things. And I'm trying to build that out now, like I'm really like creating new costumes and I'm making a mushroom costume now. And so, yeah, there's just, you know, I love, I love that because it's part of the whole thing. And then yeah, climate clown, like I'm going to be like an earth clown. So it's never ending really. I just, I just love it. It's part of it because the, it calls attention to what I'm talking about and I'm expressing myself through the outfits. And I really try, try, try to make it sustainable, to get thrifted, upcycled things. That's not always possible. But I take care, really good care of these costumes, and you know they're gonna they're gonna last. They're gonna be with me forever. So um, yeah, we do what we can, and I would love to partner with you know sustainable fabrics uh, manufacturers and fashion companies to make more of these kinds of things in an even better and more ethical way. You know, not without using acrylic paint, without whatever. You know, like I just don't have I don't have infinite amounts of time to do all these things, but I would love, love, love to make that stuff. I think fashion is super important and also a huge um, industry that is a polluter and a problem. So <laughs> I think that like raising awareness about uh, fast fashion and fashion and why it's important to us to have clothes that represent us and to that make us feel good, but also why it's important to make sure that those clothes align with our values and how we want to take care of our planet and our communities. So that's also something that I want to write music about. Um, But I actually do have some verses that are going to be coming out soon about materials, one about cotton and um, just some other things, like every material I'm going to write a little song about.
0: Sweet. It sounds like the perfect opportunity for a sustainable brand, if anyone's listening, to uh, get (laughs) (laughs) involved.
3: Yes, please. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Custom clothes
0: Um... for the earth apart from music and and performing as I was looking through your profile and looking just trying to get a bit of a picture of of who you are as a person and what you get up to you run as well and you obviously wear your outfits um through that so I just kind (laughs) of wanted to touch I know that's a bit of a random thing to add I love that wear your outfits while you're doing that and obviously to run we need air we need water we need a planet to run on so obviously yeah yeah, there's those things but that's obviously something that's quite important to you too
3: yeah running is a new a new endeavor that I took on this year and I really it's helped me through so much um it's been like my meditative space and uh it just yeah it's it's my like most peaceful place to be and I love running and I love so I did a couple marathons I, I did two half marathons one in April and one in May. And I ran as the Earth. And, you know, I was worried that I would have an unfair advantage because obviously I'm traveling at 67,000 miles per hour around the sun. So, you know, I didn't want to like be too fast, but, (laughs) but yeah, I know. I actually ran it like about 10 minutes per mile. But um, (laughs) I wanted to run as the Earth. I thought that would be super fun. So I created like a little joggers outfit to run as and yeah it was cute the first one i I didn't have like the right top so it didn't like really read as the earth but now i have like a really good like runner's outfit it says earth like right at the front so you can't confuse what's going on (laughs) but um yeah i wanted to raise awareness for the earth while i was running and also marathons are kind of um they can be quite polluting events because of the cups and the swag And just a lot of different things that they do that I'm just like running is such a sustainable sport, you don't really need anything to do it except for your body. But when it is paired with all these other things, it's just unnecessary. So, that's also a song that I'm writing um, about how to make a marathon more sustainable and how to think about how we want to do this for the long run. And so, we have to, you know, really, we can't have these marathons like polluting, you know, you can't, you just can't have all these like. Single use hybrid material cups after this event because it's such a beautiful thing, you know, to have all these people do this incredible feat. And, you know, I think it really brings people together. You know, like 20,000 people came to run one of the marathons I did. And I thought it was really beautiful to see everybody and all the support and everybody coming with the signs and cheering everyone on. And I was like, this is amazing. And it just has to be sustainable for it to continue. So I love running. <laughs>
0: It's interesting. I'd never really thought about a marathon in that way. But yeah, that obviously any event has a certain amount of pollution that comes along with it and also has massive potential to be better. So for anyone, anyone listening who is um, like taking part in an event, then it is an opportunity for environmental activism as well and taking note and looking at how things could be made better. I wanted to ask you, what is your favourite song? That you've ever written and why and we should totally include that within the episode
3: oh my gosh I mean there's so many I guess uh well I think it might have to be the mushroom song now <laughs> it's like the newest one so I'm really excited about it <laughs> but I think I think I just have different like there's have favorites for different reasons because like I really love dirty talk because it's so sexy and like has all these like sexual innuendos, but it's really about soil and there's no like curse words in it. So like you can play it for kids, but they just won't understand like what's funny about it. And then there's compost, which is a song that I wrote with Nathan Dufour Oglesby, who Nathan Hilla is our band that we have, uh, which we also do a lot of eco songs. So compost is like one of my favorite songs ever that we wrote because it was just, I mean, composting is very, very, I'm very passionate about composting specifically as one of these solutions that I'm talking about for how to heal the earth and how to heal ourselves. So I, it's very important to me that that song like gets played and listened to and inspires people to compost. And then, um, yeah, the mushroom song is now one of my new favorite songs because it's just like. A dance hit, like people are gonna dance to it, like it's really like a club song. It's a reggaeton, cumbia beat with like Middle Eastern violins, and like it's just so sick. And but it's very sciencey, and the lyrics, like you don't if you don't listen to the lyrics, you can just dance and shake your ass to the song. But if you listen to the lyrics, you're gonna learn all these words, like basidiomycetes, which is like one of the phylum of the mushrooms, the fruiting bodies. You're gonna learn about turkey tail. You're gonna learn about reishi and chaga. And, like, whatever. So there's all these different things in the lyrics, like little hidden gems that if you're into mushrooms, you're going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe she just said that. But even if you don't know anything about mushrooms, you can just dance and, and like, get it, you know, subconsciously.
0: <laughs> I'm even more excited to hear this song now. By the time this episode comes out, it should be out. So we'll definitely include links to that so everybody can hear it. Perfect. And just to finish up, I just wondered... Obviously, you're such a hopeful person, and it's wonderful to hear. I just wondered what your hopes are for both your career and what you could potentially achieve through that, which I know is a big question, but maybe one you're ready to tackle?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a lot of goals for what's happening. I really want to create a lot of songs. Obviously, I want to make an album, a couple albums, many albums uh, about all sorts of different topics. I want to just have like basically a song about everything, so people can reference it like an encyclopedia. <laughs> and just be like, all right, well, we want to learn about soil health, like, let's find Hilla's song about soil, or let's find all her songs about soil and learn about soil. Let's learn about mining metals, let's learn about air, and about the atmosphere. So I really, that's something that's very inspiring to me to just create that lexicon of of songs and educational materials for people to use in classrooms and stuff like that, like, I really want that to exist. And then more than that, or in addition to that, I would really love to be influencing policy and societal restructuring, you know, back to the thing that we were talking about before, like to sort of dismantle capitalism or like to change how we view our economy, how we view money, how we treat our resources, because It's not sustainable. So I would really love to be part of the movement to influence and inspire, you know, huge structural changes, you know, especially here in New York City, where I live, because there's so many industries that are dying or dead that need to be removed, you know, from our waterways, for example, you know, the we have a um, it's called a riparian zone. So, around any area around water is called a riparian zone, and it should be a wetland. It should be green because that's how water cleans itself. It you know it filters through trees and plants. And if you don't have that there, then the water is going to be polluted. And these industries are also extremely polluting. Like they're concrete companies, they're oil companies, they're you know, trucks or their sanitation or whatever, their sewage companies, and they shouldn't be near the water. They just shouldn't be anywhere near, they may not have to exist at all, but they definitely should not exist near water. And so certain things like that, I feel like I'm hoping that, you know, with my impact, if I can get to the level of like, we have to listen to Hillis, new song about this, Let's, and then that actually creates like a change, a real change where we build new parks. We have more green spaces for people. We house people in green, you know, complexes and, and buildings. I just want to see that real change. You know, it's not enough for me to just be like famous earth rapper girl. Like I want it to impact people. I want people to feel like it really is making a difference. And we are moving towards a better world, a better society for everybody. So that's kind of where I hope my career is going. I just want to make it better for people, Yeah. You know? <laughs> through my art that's all I've ever wanted
0: oh I'll definitely join you on hoping that all of that happens for sure if anyone wants to see your music we're going to include lots of links in the show notes and you can follow Hiller on Instagram and on TikTok and I'm sure there's lots more exciting things to come too so thank you so much for talking to me today
3: thank you so much it had a lovely
2: We should give folks a little preview of our next episode uh that's coming up um in two weeks, uh, which is an episode that um that I'm gonna be producing. Um it's gonna be an interview uh with another one of our Wildlands collective uh members. Um and I, I realized I'm almost certainly gonna butcher the pronunciation of his last name, uh, but Omar Manjuna. Um, is uh, one of our newest wildlands Collective members. Um, he's directing a documentary about uh, Nile crocodiles in Lake Nasser in Egypt. Um, and he's following a Egyptian researcher who has basically documented a crash in the population of Nile crocodiles um, in Lake Nasser. And the film is basically like, You know, following this character, like on his mission to to figure out why, like what's happening and um, and why it's happening and how he can, you know, stop this population from completely uh, disappearing. So, yeah, I'm super excited about that conversation. Um, Yeah, I I think I'm actually talking to Omar tomorrow is when I'll actually be doing that interview. So I'll know a lot more um, after having the opportunity to to chat with him at length um, about his film. Um, But we're super excited. Uh, All of us at Wildlands are super excited about um, Omar's new film. It's called Crocodopolis, which might be the best name for a documentary that I've ever heard. Um, So, you know, that by itself is a great reason to get excited about it.
0: Thank you for listening to the Earth to Humans podcast and to Hilla for joining me. If you like what you've heard and want to listen to more of Hilla's amazing music, follow her on Instagram at HillaTheEarth and Spotify or support her on Bandcamp. We're also on Instagram and Facebook at EarthToHumansPod and have just started a shiny new substack where you can find more information on us and the shows that we've produced. It's the future
1: of the Earth. It's the, the it's, the the yeah. it's the future of the earth It's the future of the earth It's the future of the earth the future of the earth Far as I can see Trees, leaves, eels at seas Even my body becomes one of these Turning cemeteries into edible weeds Potable water flow through the streams Your laundry drains into wetland fields Recycles and cleans while I wash these jeans Simple routines be green machines Nothing is wasted, all is nutrients We feed soil, we are duty As compost builds and microbial nucleus Nurse the plants that feed the youth in us We eat local we We got tree crops, give them hugs Mushrooms, fruit on living rugs Cover the ground with things, spring loves It's the future of the earth Closed loop in the cycle Death and birth Energy powered by the sun Abundant life for everyone Passive houses, insulation, green roofs t transportation, air is clean, we green the nation, natural borders, land formations, animal crossings, bird migrations, glass and metal sanitation, resilient towards all climate changes, humans thrive for long duration. It's the future of the earth, communities, eco-cities, make it work, full health, life thrives, give birth to the solutions of the future of the earth.